Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 36. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a Patreon of Fun Ideas Productions, and if everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Alvin, the story of Ross Bagdasarian Sr., Liberty Records, Format Films, and The Alvin Show is out. You can order your hardback, paperback, and ebook copies today on Amazon or at BearManorMedia.com. I am currently still working on Friendly Ghosts, Little Devils, Giants, and Rich Kids, the art, of creation, the art and Creations of Warren Kremer, and the Total Television Scrapbook, and the Monkey Solo Book. Our guest today is a writer who has written books about Warren Publications, Jack Kirby, and Stan Lee, and has been the editor for Comic Book Artist and Comic Book Creator. His current book is about Robert Crumb's weirdo. Here he is, John B. Cook. All right, on the phone today, I have John Cook, and uh, just wanted to talk to him a little bit about his new book about a weirdo, which was R. Crumb's humor magazine back in the 80s and 90s, and also about your other books and everything else you've done. So how are you today? Good. How are you doing, Mark? Fine. And uh, I guess to just start off, just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into writing and uh, graphic arts and other things that you've done. Sure. Uh, I got interested in, uh, I did a fanzine back when I was a, a teenager, when I was about 13 years old. Lasted for a year or so. Probably had a circulation of like 12. <laughs> um, it was me and my brothers. Uh, we produced this thing. It was uh, Xeroxed. Uh, that kind of started me off. I, the, the biggest thing was uh, to see Locus, uh, which is a science fiction, kind of a news zine. But back in the day, it was a little primitive looking. And I, I remember looking at it and uh, thinking to myself, hey, I could do this. You know, I could mm-hmm. do something like this. I didn't even know about comic book fanzines at all. So started my own, uh, put an ad in the Comics Buyer's Guide and got some, in, you know, um, got some interest, sold a few. But, uh, you know, I mean, there were girls, so I <laughs> gave up on, on drawing and and the fanzine stuff pretty much um, but then I went to college and I got involved in a campus magazine and that really got me interested in doing production um, mm-hmm. and I'd always been an artist and a writer so started there um, and then I went to college uh, and like I said I worked in a campus magazine then went off and did worked and uh there was an H.P. Lovecraft centennial back in 1990, and uh, I stumbled on some horror fanzines, and I said, oh, jeez, I could do this. <laughs> and I did. Uh, so I did Tekalili Journal of Terror, which is an H.P. Lovecraft-inspired zine that got, uh, it was well-received. Uh, I just poured way too much money into it, <laughs> production-wise, so it only lasted four issues, but that was the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw a few of those when I was looking at uh, your bibliography on eBay and on Amazon, and there are a few issues out there. I didn't know there was just four, but you know, <laughs> I saw that you had done that. So that's kind of your first foray into semi-professional publishing, as it were? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, and then I, uh, it was literally the very first day when I was on the web, uh, when I finally, it was like 1995, 
and I just signed up for my email address with good old AOL. <laughs> and uh, the first thing, I, they didn't even have uh, search engines back then, really. I mean, yeah, there was no Google right. that I could remember. But anyway, the first uh, phrase I searched for was Jack Kirby, because I'm, a, I'm just a huge Jack Kirby freak. Mm-hmm. And that minute, I, I discovered the Jack Kirby collector. And uh, I immediately reached out to John Morrow, the publisher of Tomorrow's, and... Um, we hit it off, and I became associate editor of the Jack Kirby Collector. Mm-hmm. And then I came up with this notion of like, hey, John, how about we do a magazine for the other guys other than Jack Kirby? Um, and uh, that's how Comic Book Artist Magazine was born, mm. to which my, my friend Mark Arnold uh, <laughs> had contributed to the Harvey issue. And yes. <laughs> and I think the National Lampoon issue, too, a little bit, too. So that was yeah, one of yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's other ones, but probably those are the two probably. main ones I remember. But, you know. <laughs> and uh, then you took it away for... Uh, and then went to top shelf with it for a while, I remember. I don't think I helped you on those, but... Uh, uh, no, I lasted for, uh, what, about s- five or six issues uh, yeah. at uh, at top shelf. Right. And then I was planning to do a, a Peter Bag issue, and I'd done a huge interview with Peter, and right. I came up with this notion of doing a, uh, a complimentary uh, feature, and that was to, for Weirdo Magazine. Mm. And somehow I was get, I found the number for uh, for Robert Crom and I reached out to him and interviewed him uh, about his uh, stint on Weirdo and uh, Aileen was uh, at home at the time so I, then I spoke to her mm-hmm. immediately afterwards so I was a, I had these uh, three interviews about it so I reached out to uh, to uh, other contributors at Weirdo and very innocently thought oh well I'll put a few testimonials in and you know whoever responds and yeah. it was a big response and uh, I just uh, I guess gets I get a little <laughs> pathological about this stuff. so I really reached out to virtually everybody I could yeah um, and uh, but weirdo was I, I would Anyway, I never did that issue of comic book artist. The recession came, and I mm-hmm. had domestic issues that that arose. I pretty much left the field for a period of time mm-hmm. to focus on work and my and family. Um, and then uh, back in 2011, I, I was I, I occasionally get emails from people like, "What's going on with that? You know, uh, what's going on with that weirdo thing?" So I came up with the idea of, well, maybe I should revive. You know, comic book uh, artist magazine. And so I went to Mocha and made a uh, made an announcement uh, to 2011, and search. And I started searching for more Weirdo contributors whom I didn't get the first time around. Um, and uh, then other things arose. Uh, we had a house fire. Oh, anyway, there was a number of things that happened that pulled me off of that again. So I periodically, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, shelf the uh, the weirdo retrospective, but it kept growing. Mm-hmm. And and in 20, 2013 I did it again. I think that that was when I met up with Peter again, and uh, I'd started Comic Book Creator Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I taught, and so I was determined to to finish my commitment to uh, Peter. And uh, so I did an issue devoted to uh, to Peter Bag, and uh, he was the second weirdo in, uh, editor. That's right. Right, and um, so what? what uh, then I just decided to do it as a book, and so I, <laughs> I, I had, I had all this stuff. I just had 
all these testimonials and you know there was an, uh, a good number of people who had passed away I mean there were a number of people who passed away right you know there were <clears throat> and uh, so I really felt you know I was on a mission I, I really really had to do this and mm-hmm. You know, and I was just tenacious in tracking people down and stuff like that. So I wrote up a prospectus, and I went to the 2015 uh, San Diego Comic-Con. I was going to shop it around. And out of respect, because they were the first publisher, uh, they were the publisher of Weirdo Magazine. Mm-hmm. I approached Last Gasp first. And I'll never forget Ron's look on his face when I handed him his prospectus, because it had all the listing of all the people that were had already contributed testimonials. And he just kind of like... His eye, his jaw dropped, and his eyes widened, and he just nodded, and he said, "Yeah, I, yeah, I want to publish this." You know, so it was just like, "Well, okay, that came in the right place," and uh, we worked out a deal, and um, then I really went full bore, and so for the past three years, four years, I just been really, really, really working on it, and then um, it's all come together. Hmm. Okay. There it is. I'll tell you my side of the story because, as you know, somewhere along the line, I did a weirdo article. Now, I was aware that you were working on some sort of book, but I didn't know to what extent or if or when it was ever going to be published. And then uh, it was uh, Michael Yuri of Back Issue, and you probably know him, you know, from also Tomorrow's. Uh, he says, can you do an article on, on Weirdo? And I actually said, isn't John Cook working on a book on that? I mean, I don't want to step on his toes. <laughs> and he says, no, that's all right. And I go, all right. And so I started contacting all the same people you were. And, you know, the people that you had already contacted, they say, when is that John Cook coming out with that book? He interviewed me like three years ago, and I still haven't seen anything. It's like, I don't know. I'm interviewing you now. So, you know, we did kind of overlap a little bit there, but I, I, I kept saying encouraging things that, yeah, he's still working on it. He wants it to look right and blah, blah, blah. And I did finally get a copy because of, you know, uh, you got my Harvey book, which we can talk about later, and then I got your book, and it's like, uh, you know, it's it's fantastic. So I'm like, you know, I haven't got all the way through it, but it's like it's more thorough than my article could ever be, you know. <laughs> and even though mine's pretty lengthy, and uh, I'm really impressed. The the question I had first, you know, because while you're saying all this, I was thinking a zillion questions. Is when you interviewed Crumb and the first people when you started, was were they still in the states or had he already moved to France? Oh yeah, no, they moved to France back in ninety. Uh, 90- 92, 93. Oh, okay. uh, no, yeah, they, they had long been out of the country. Uh, I spoke to them in uh, t- uh, 2007, uh-huh. 2007. So, um, yeah, so they were in France, and uh, it was a long-distance call. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I was just curious how that was. Yeah, my, con- my contact with him, you know, I didn't think I would get him. But he did respond and responded well is through email, and he was all apologetic. He says, "Well, I rarely use email, so but you know, since you're here, here's the answers to your questions." And it was like, I go, "Wow, this makes the article here." <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. were there anybody when you were doing the book? Uh, you said some people had passed. Had they passed uh, prior to you getting to them, or did you manage to get everyone you wanted to get? No, actually, the the one um, that I was not able to get, whom I had been in contact with, uh, that's I uh, you were able to get in, in, in contact, and, and that was Macedonio um, Garcia, mm-hmm. uh, who was a uh, he was a inmate, he was a prisoner. Uh, pardon me, uh, in prison um, mm. when he had uh, contributed back to Weirdo in the Weirdo days, but he had long been out of 
out of prison by that time. And so I'd periodically get in touch with him and, and say, uh, I contacted him through Facebook, and he'd say, yeah, 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 I definitely want to do it, but, but let me think about it, let me think about it. And he th- did that for years. Mm. But you were able to write? Were you able to contact him? I think I was, and I think he just yeah, gave me a few a, a few short comments. You know, he didn't give me a lot, but I wasn't right. trying to make a book. You know, I, in fact, my assignment originally was supposed to be like three or four pages, and I I went back to Michael and I go, "This is going to be like twenty pages." I hope you know, unless we don't put any photos. And so he agreed to move, change it around a bit, and I I got my twenty page article. You know. <laughs> I said I can cut it, I can, you know, but it probably won't be very good if I cut it. And, you know, fortunately he decided to run the full length. And I did meet uh, a lot of the people you said so far. Um, uh, like I did talk to Peter a bit, and I talked to Ron a bit. Um, I met up with Bill Griffith. Um, a couple others I met too. It, it was funny, I don't know if you're familiar with the show called Ape. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah and uh, when I got the assignment, Ape happened to be like around the corner, and I went, and it just so happened about five or six contributors to Weirdo happened to be there, and so I go, oh, this is cool. I can just talk to him now, and I did. <laughs> so, um, let's see. Um, now, putting the book together. Uh, for me, it was just a matter of just asking everyone the same ten questions and just kind of putting everyone's answers of recollection, just to save my sanity. Was there any sort of rhyme or reason to how you were going to compile this? Because I'm sure people had different memories about what was, what they did and stuff like that. So were you trying to make some sort of cohesive narrative or just do your best with it? No, not at all. It was just what what did they want to talk about, and uh, yeah. and just to get, basically give them free reign. Um, I had three different approaches to uh, to getting the testimonials, which uh, make up uh, I think the yeah it makes up the majority of the book, and that was uh, to uh, simply ask them for a testimonial and to uh, write it up themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, some, sometimes they struggled with that notion, so they uh, would prefer if I had asked them questions via email. Um, and then I would cobble together a testimonial from that. Mm-hmm. Um, or I would, uh, if it was even more helpful for them, a lot of these people were busy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just they were more comfortable with being uh, on a phone interview. So I would call them up, interview them, and then uh, transcribe it myself, and uh, again, and cobble that together into a testimonial. So, no, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, it's uh, was it Rashomon? You know, there's a there's a lot of um, <laughs> thinking, remembering things differently. Uh, yeah. Maybe not a lot, but you know, there was some. Um, so no, it wasn't. But I did decide that I'm going to do a, a, a straight history up front. I just had to do it. I, so it became rather huge, uh, the big essay. I did an opening essay called The Weirdo Story, mm-hmm. which really looked at it. Uh, you know, I mean, there, there are different stories here in the uh, in the book. And, uh, you know, and, and Crum, who, who really does enjoy the book, he likes it a lot, he says that it's as much a, a history of the alternative comic scene, if not the entire decade, period, uh, of the 1980s. Um, and in a lot of ways, I, I, I'm happy he said that, and it's true. Uh, <laughs> it's, it is a pretty thorough history of alternative comics through the, through the 80s. Mm-hmm. 
as well as being a very specific history of the of the magazine. But in, on another uh, parallel, it is uh, the story of Robert Crumb and Aileen Crumb living in Winters, uh, California, in a small cottage. Uh, you know, with uh, Aileen giving birth to their their only child, Sophie. Mm-hmm. And, and this all took place in the 1980s, and so I even went and uh, thought it pertinent, very pertinent, to talk to his neighbors. And so I, you know, I even got in touch with those who would participate in the photo funnies. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and uh, we're involved in uh, this uh, ecology, environmental uh, tabloid called Winds of Change, which he worked on just before, just prior to Weirdo. Mm-hmm. So I talked to a bunch of those people. Uh, so anyway, you know, it's peripheral. And of all the adventures that I had doing that, I, I had reconnected with my stepsister. Huh. Um, my father's uh, second, he, he married again. Uh, it was his second wife. And uh, the family that he inherited there, they were, they were my, uh, my, step, my step-siblings. And uh, I contacted her through Facebook, and she, she said, oh, you're in, in a comic book. So, yeah, I was once in a band with, with Robert Crumb, <laughs> which just completely floored me. And I was just right then working on the the initial um, incarnation of, of this weirdo uh, retrospective. And mm-hmm. so she wrote an essay, and, you know, that's really, that's got to be... What are the odds of that? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it was during the weirdo years. I mean, she was in the right. Rural Sophisticates, which was the band that, uh, the, pretty much a, the wedding band that Crumb was uh, a part of right. back <laughs> in those days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, when you approached Crumb, was it initially also just about weirdo? I mean, why weirdo? Why not uh, anything else in his career? I know there is the complete Crumb volumes that uh, have been put out and things like that. Uh, so... What's the preference for Weirdo, just out of curiosity? Well, it was that, that Peter was uh, Peter was in one of the editors of it. Okay. And it, it, I think the, the bottom line was at the time, this is prior to your back issue uh, essay, there was virtually nothing out there. There was yes. almost nothing out there, except for what uh, the comics, thank God for the comics journal. Um, <laughs> there was a long essay that Jim Woodring had done. Um, there was uh, There was a... Uh, interview, a joint interview with uh, uh, Peter Bagg and, and Robert Crumb, that was done for uh, the the, uh, the Comics Journal of one was it one hundred seven or something like that. Anyway, that was specifically for Weirdo. And we used the cover image for that issue of uh, Comics Journal. I used it in the back of the book on the, on the back cover of the book. Um, but there was really nothing out there, so. Yeah. So it was. It was just basically. To, it started off. I had nothing. I mean, I, I liked the weirdo. I, I I didn't buy every single issue, but I, I liked yeah. it. I particularly like you know crumb stuff. I always thought that was best. I I loved Peter Bag. I've been a huge Peter Bag uh, fan since uh, the early '90s. No, the '80s. No, I, I bought neat stuff and, yeah. and that. <laughs> loved him as a storyteller. Just you know. And uh, so that's really where it came from. Why weirdo? That weirdo. I mean, I just <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't think of any other. Uh, um, I couldn't think of any. Uh, I mean, it was just rife. It was just ready to be studied. Yeah, you know? I'll agree because when it came out, my my I wasn't really an historian per se when that 
the magazine would come out, and of course I always collect the humor magazines, so I had Mad and Cracked and uh, Crazy and everything else. And you know, Weirdo came along as a little more lampoonish, I guess, than anything else. But uh, you know, I get all those, and but it just kind of came and then it was there a few years and then it went and I go okay I guess he got tired of doing it. I don't know what's going on you know <laughs> but then later I, I did get more curious about it because I go what was this why did he do this why didn't he do more zap let's say or something else that he's done in his life why this you know and you know now I basically know the story but at the time I was like you know w- what made him do this you know <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's an odd magazine in the sense of that. While it's uh, it's natural to compare the uh, to Raw, it's yeah. natural to compare it to Raw because Raw was coming out at the same time. People would would always compare the two. One is highfalutin, fancy, you know, uh, pretentious, um, kind of arty, you know, comic book uh, magazine being Raw, and the other one being kind of you know um, ground level, shall we say, uh, pretty gritty stuff and sometimes extremely rude and extremely politically incorrect mm-hmm. at times. Yes, yes. Um, so, uh, why, why, I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought. What were we just talking about? Uh, just how it came out, uh, almost out of nowhere, but and it's been compared to Raw. Uh, oh, right, yeah, 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 it was just ignored. I mean, it just yeah. has been, again, you know, it just gets back to that. Just like nobody, I mean, it's... You know, I I write this huge essay that took me an entire summer to write about this historical look at at Weirdo and all the context and all the connections it had with so many different things and uh, that had gone on at the time. And um, I my the final line in it I, I, that I wrote was that uh, Weirdo will always lose. It's a it's a magazine for lo- losers by losers. I mean, it's just this magazine, and they're and we're and you know I have to count myself as a weirdo too in a certain way. Certainly, mm-hmm. I did that weird to do this book, mm-hmm. but that you know it, it part of a part of a family kind of thing, and we're ne- you know very much any number of these. Uh, uh, contributors are never going to be, you know, good enough to be in raw, you know, and I throw that out the quotes, you yeah. know, to be judged as being arty and all stuff like that. As wonderful as raw is, and I, I'm not trying to put it down. But then Sammy Harkum, um, I asked him for some his opinion. Of course, he does uh, Kramer, Kramer Urbach, which is a great anthology, you know, and which is a highfalutin fancy anthology itself, you know, it's come out in huge editions, and it's just uh, very. Um, prestigious and uh, and uh, his his uh, his conclusion was that that Weirdo will always always win which <laughs> <So, laughs> is like sure okay I guess you know and I guess I'm looking at it like we lose you know we lose for winning you know what I mean we yeah. just or we win for losing you know however you want to say that <laughs> now um, I got the book the other day and uh, the first thing I noticed and then I had to dig out the other book um, it looks very similar in shape design and style to the Chrome, the weirdo years that Last Gasp also published, uh, that just reprints all the material that he had and all those weirdo issues. Um, was that a conscious decision on you or Ron's part, or is it just uh, a fluke there? Or, uh, did you plan to make that a, a companion volume, as it were? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I planned, planned it to be a complimentary. And, you know, if we ever do the best of Weirdo, you know, we would do another one that would, you know, to fit into this library. You know, we're looking into right now, uh, possibly, we'll, 
probably doing a new edition, a revised edition of the Weirdo Years, mm-hmm. which will include, and I've already done it actually, you know, I've done an interview with uh, Robert about, specifically about the stories, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and the, and the contents uh, of his material of the, in, within that book. Mm-hmm. Um, so there'll be a new 16 pages that will be added to that. And uh, okay. looking forward to doing that, you know, to, you know. Is that original volume out of print? I don't even know. It's almost out of print. Oh, okay, just, okay. Because uh, <laughs> I got back, way back when, because it, when that came out, it was uh, perfect timing, because that's when I was working on my article. So I go, oh, I get to read all this stuff without finding all the copies because there were I was like you I didn't get all the issues when they came out I still don't have all the issues you know it was just oh this one's interesting I probably got about half of them when they were originally released and uh, um, I don't know I guess stores didn't always carry them I don't even remember but you know I, I, I don't think it wasn't easy to find it it certainly wasn't yeah. in comic shops very much yeah. I mean I always found my copies in you know more eclectic bookshops you know oddball bookshops and that kind of thing and music stores and you yeah. know um, yeah, CD stores and that kind of thing you know whoever wherever they I think Tower Records had yep. it yep. yeah so I was going to say same here I'm on the west coast but yeah it's the same same idea here you know it wasn't necessarily in the standard comic book stores they may get no. an occasional issue but you know they weren't ca- carrying all the publications by that point you know it's like they they couldn't there's not enough shelf space so it was just a matter of oh well this can go this isn't selling that well you know <laughs> and yeah, there's a weird thing with the comic shops anyway of uh, i'm very curious and it should be any minute we should find out what the orders are for uh through previews you know <laughs> what that's going to be uh you know the traditional comics market wasn't uh, all that you know supportive of weirdo mm-hmm. um i don't know how it was supportive of i probably wasn't very supportive of, of raw either yeah but which is unfortunate because uh weirdo is truly a great magazine i mean it really they, it was remarkable in it, that it had three supremely talented uh, editors who knew who knew uh how to edit and yeah. knew how to encourage and uh nurture and uh, just choose an incredibly eclectic crew of cartoonists and uh, to nurture them to uh, to doing increasingly better work. You know, well, Crum had uh, Dory Sita was uh, one of his primary uh, proteges in a certain way of that uh, he nurtured and, uh, and encouraged. And her work just grew exponentially. She was so talented. Yep. And unfortunately, she died young. She mm-hmm. died at 37, I think it was, 36 or 37. She died in the midst of the Weirdo Run. So that was her passing was the, the, I, what I would deem the biggest event that took place in the history of Weirdo for the Weirdo community. Right. Know, so. And that was noted on the cover. It was a special Tori Sita memorial cover. And so, the, you know, the, for instance, that was there. And then, you know, Peter uh, was came, obviously, Holm uh, was from the Zap world. He was the original, he was the originator of underground comics in a certain way. Right. Um, Peter was from the New York contingent. He was, he was quite young at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, who knew? I mean, he was just a natural editor. And he was a really really hard worker uh, and really uh, they're just he has a better work ethic that's just amazing I mean after all I don't I think virtually every issue of hate came out pretty much on time yeah you know? I think and so that's yeah. a lot he did 28 issues of hate yeah and 30, then no, of course and then of course neat stuff before that you know so and that was like 13 or something might have been a little more 
maybe seven. Yeah, 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 yeah right. <laughs> so, yeah, incredible. Yeah, uh, I guess. So, and he did that. You know, he got burned out just like Robert Crumb got burned out. Oh yeah. And mostly that was having to having to do the selection of, of the material that's going in the magazine. You're bound to reject uh, any number of material, and sometimes from very accomplished cartoonists. And they did not take that well. Yeah. And so that was a, there was a lot of you know. Uh, bad, not bad karma, but you know, it's it was just it was so hard to deal with. You know, you gotta yeah. reject people, and they're both sensitive guys. And they are, you know, Aileen got it, yeah. and but Aileen brought in a uh, she bought in a raft of uh, of women cartoons. Yeah, it was a different magazine almost then, but it still had the overall look. Yeah, but it, the feel was a little bit different. That's what I was gonna say. Um, I, now, in your interviews, I, uh, did you find people that were just really negative about the whole experience? I didn't seem to when I did mine for um, uh, back issue, but uh, I didn't go that deeply. I mean, are there any, you know, still sour grapes or wounds or anything that haven't healed about the, the contributing in those years? I don't think that really... Um no, pretty much everything had to either calm down or, uh, you know, like uh, Peter, I, I I spoke to Peter Pag a, a couple of, uh, I don't know, last week, you know, midweek, and it was the first uh, uh, voice conversation that we had had since he received the book, and he said he was cringing, he was worried that, that he was going to be, uh, you know, criticized a lot, and he's not criticized a lot in the mm-hmm. book. Not that there would be any reason for it, I think it was just like, oh, who knows, you know? Because again, yeah. you have to reject people, Yeah, you know, because you only have a certain amount of space to, to bring it in. No, not really, you know, I mean, uh, there was Terry Boyce, you know, uh, she had, uh, and that was another event under quotes that took place during the weirder years, which is that Terry Boyce was another women cartoonist under uh, the Crum uh, regime, I guess, you know, or the tenure of Robert Crum as editor. She did uh, pet penis stories uh, that were very amusing, very cute, and uh, not very well liked by a, a number of people. Um, <laughs> but uh, they were amusing, and Robert liked them, so he, he printed them. She, with the death of Doris Sita, she uh, went through a, a spiritual transformation of uh, that she rejected in the entirety of her underground comics work and yeah. her not her cartooning, but her yeah, her underground comics work. And she became a born again, born again Christian, so much mm-hmm. so that she became a minister. Hmm. And she's still a minister to this day. Um, she she, but she did. Um, she did give me, and she sent me an email, and uh, she she approved that I could I could use it for a testimonial. Mm-hmm. And of course, I did. You know, and she was ambivalent. I, you know, she was definitely ambivalent. I don't even know whether she knew that she was as criticized as she was, <laughs> um, because you know, uh, Mary Flynn had uh, published a ma- uh, published a letter that came from. Terry. Mm-hmm. And Terry was particularly uh, religiously fervent at the when she wrote the letter, was pleading with her to you know save her soul and, and that kind of stuff. And <laughs> you know, and uh, Aileen and Mary were were disparaging to her, um, and that's where it was revealed that she was a born again Christian and stuff mm. like that. So, and that's discussed in history. Yeah, you know, and I don't know how Terry's going to mm-hmm. respond to that, but you know, <laughs> I mean, it's the story story of the magazine. Right? Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, a couple more questions about, you know, 
this in future volumes. So you said uh, you know, the Crumb Years uh, is going to be reissued with extra information from you. Um, is there going to be another volume that would be the non-Crumb material? You know, I mean, there seems to be. Oh, I was just talking to Peter, and he says they're doing the complete hate. And you know, and they did the complete zap, and they did. They just came out with the complete neat stuff, and mm -hmm. you know, the complete women's comics has come out. I, I mean, I would think it would be natural in, in a certain way if you're going to do. I mean, I've even mapped it out. If you know. In, in various incarnations, of course, I would want to helm such a such a project mm -hmm. to see this through. Uh, whether you do the complete weirdo or, which is logistically, I can't imagine it being all that easy. But you know, they did it for the women's comic. You yeah. know, uh, you, you've got to track down absolutely everybody. But there's, you know, I mean, to be frank, I mean, there's nobody better to to track these people down than, <laughs> dude. I was tenacious with some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there was only one person who outright said no. They didn't want to be a part of the book. But as you see, I go, where does not forgot is a spread within the book mm -hmm. that are all the people who either ignored my uh, my emails, my mm -hmm. my reaching out, or um, didn't didn't receive my my missives or anything like that. And mm -hmm. that was pretty small. And most of them were Euro uh, European. You mm -hmm. know. So, um, so I could naturally, uh, you know, to be honest with you, the, this book originally was intended to be half history and half anthology. So mm -hmm. it's going to be a reprint anthology of, of the best of or material from whoever there was testimonials from. And last gasp, that, that, that would be Ron Turner and his son, Colin Turner, completely left me alone. Mm. Would not you know we would occasionally updates and stuff like that, but again you know from the signing of the contract, you know the book was due in 2016, <laughs> but you know and it took a took a few more years. But I would you know ensure assure them that I was working on it, but yeah. it really grew and it kept growing bigger and bigger and bigger. And I almost sheepishly submitted it to them as a 288 page book, <laughs> um, and uh, they 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 accepted it, and I think they. I think it's a good job. I mean, I, I don't want to brag, but this is the, the exact kind of book that I would want. Yeah. I would like a subject covered like, and this is not even enough. Yeah. I mean, if I had my druthers, I would add another 32 pages to this book and have detailed, you know, biographies of every single person. That, <laughs> uh, because it's, you know, their testimonials don't necessarily cover their... Their, their background and stuff right. like that. I guess that's why I was asking about future volumes because he hinted at it on the one and then it's like, well, that that type of material could be added to a future volume if you did an anthology of everybody. You could put the who's who, as it were, in the back. There you <laughs> go. Thank you. Thank so, you, Mark. Volume three. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be an insane amount of work to do for the amount of money that Oh, you can do it. <laughs> no. uh, I'm the same know. way. People always go, yeah, hey, Mark, you can do a book about this. Oh, yeah, I can do a book about this. Do I want to do a book about this? But anyway, the, the good thing is you have all the contacts and you have the, the information, so so it's like, uh, it seems like something you would probably eventually consider or even do. So, you know. Yeah, I think it's, it's quite possible. I think, you know, uh, you know, my budget for originally when it was back to being a, a half anthology, my budget was, you know, very minor for the page rate and the reprint rate that people would get. But, mm -hmm. but you know, I already had already been in, I, you know, at, you know, uh, pardon me, I had, uh, 
told uh, any number of contributors about the the page rate, and they were like, okay, well, mm-hmm. you know, sure, they wanted to be a part of it. Okay. So it would be it would be a lot of fun either to do that or do the best of. I think the best of is probably logistically best because I don't know like if you you're going to do let's say you know I like I said I mapped it out to under the three editors so you do the Robert Robert Crumb as editor and you know Peter as editor and Aileen as editor um, and you could be still be three hundred and something page books you know um, uh-huh. but but this would be without the Crumb material yeah. So, and that is not exactly, uh, I mean, the crumb material by far is the most commercial material. I mean, after right. all, he did every single cover, and that was a reason that he did every single cover of Weirdo, and that was because he had a real fan base that was huge, you yeah. know, comparatively. Right. <laughs> so. And sometimes that was anyway. pretty much all he did was the cover a couple times, I think. You know. Was, no, he did interior of every single issue. He did? But, okay. Uh, it seemed like there's one issue where he did very little in the interior and it was basically oh, a cover. But so, Yeah, there was a couple of times it was very, yeah. very little. And then other times he did almost the entire issue, you know, that was like, I noticed so. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, you know, I'm sure it's just his time considerations and what he felt like doing or whatever. But anyway. Um, uh, yeah, you know, and he was also doing, you know, by the end, he was also doing Hop and he was doing uh, he was doing some other stuff. Uh, you know, it wasn't just completely focused on Weirdo. Yeah. Know, he wanted to spread out and do something. Yeah. And, you know, as we both probably have realized, you know, Weirdo's in its own time and space and the likes of it probably will never be seen again at least by this staff you know it's like uh if somebody ever wanted to start another thing like it they'd have to start from scratch with completely new artists and writers you know i would think at this point yeah well you know i mean there's people like you know phoebe gluckner you know she had said that there really should be a magazine like this and uh, yeah. um and there were other other uh weirdo contributors who said that they would be a part of something that certainly they would yeah. you know i mean i could almost conceive there's uh i could almost conceive of doing a one shot of uh doing a weirdo 2020 or something like that you know yeah. it could just be a one shot kind of thing and it would be uh you know i mean i can i can see Extending the goodwill of uh, the Book of Weirdo a bit, a bit for a f- for a few more years, possibly out of it, because uh, it's very being very well received. I mean, I, yeah. I don't want to gloat, but what the heck, uh, you know, <laughs> Robert R- Robert Crumb really likes the book, okay. and enough so that you know we had I had lunch with him, and, uh, and to which he said it said it then, and I've uh, I did a podcast with him. Did you get a chance to hear it? I have not. I'll have oh, to seek it well, out. Or send me, a li- send me a link when we're done. But uh, um, I, I, the only thing I saw is photos. So, I mean, tell us about that meeting. You, you had photos with you and Drew Friedman and a few others. What was that? Was that just uh, a celebration for the release of the book, or is it something else? Well, no, that was very specific. I, I, I said, Robert, uh, can we... Uh uh, Art, Art Spiegelman was kind enough to facilitate it. Uh, Robert happened to be in town uh, in New York for a gallery showing and uh, a signing that he did at the gallery. Um, and uh, Art was able to get word uh, to see whether I could come over and visit him and mm-hmm. come over and see him. And he uh, he said, sure, absolutely, um, which is very kind of him. And uh, so uh, it really worked out very well because Drew uh, Friedman, who's done a cover illustration and is very much involved mm-hmm. in all uh, publicity for this, this book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been very much a partner in, the, in, 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 that, in that aspect. Um, he was there when we came in and me and my brother came in. Um, 
in the hotel uh, lobby and uh we sat down it was like it's just like it was just like perfect and of him making a joke uh robert making a joke about my brother and uh it just was uh and look it's a dream come true i mean i'm having lunch with the greatest cartoonist the world has ever known and mm -hmm. uh you know somebody i've been in awe of since i was a teenager mm -hmm. and uh it was just fun. It was just very relaxed and very fun. You know, we mostly, we talked shop and, you know, drew, you know, we talked about mutual people we knew and it was very casual and it felt very good. And it's, it really comes out as the, the, the real personality of, of uh, Robert Crumb is not this crusty old curmudgeon. Right. But right. rather a really, really nice, gentle, kind, funny. Um, but I mean, it tells it like it is. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, it was, wow. <laughs> You know, it was great fun. And, you know, I've spoken to him since, and we've done a few interviews on the phone with him since. And, uh, mm -hmm. So, it was very specific to, to, I told Robert, I said, we're going to, you need to take pictures. So I'm going to mock up the book, and they're going to bring it with me, and that's really, you know, of course I want to meet you, but we need to promote this book. I mean, I need to promote this book, so would you would you please do that? And he was very kind about that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I needed a, he wrote me a blurb, you know, it's on the back cover, you know, and, um, so, I mean, I see this, you know, look, you know, logistically, I see this as my one shot. And in a certain way of getting more, um, getting more interesting different jobs, you know, yeah. um, different projects and stuff like that. As much as I, I appreciate and I'm grateful for all the work that I've done in mainstream comics and all stuff like that, I really have had a long and um, passionate um, love for undergrounds. And uh, I really would like to get more in that realm mm -hmm. um, anyway you know but we well, still have a lot of eclectic work yeah. and stuff like that well I, I am so glad and like I said when I did the um Art, my article, I was very amazed that Crumb was so accommodating and everything because, you know, I always thought of Crumb this way, and I don't know if you did, we're kind of like uh, echoes of Fritz the Cat being, you know, done by Bakshi and the way he does and, and getting ripped off on album cover payments and things like that, that he'd be just like, eh, I don't want to talk to anybody about this stuff or something. And no, he was very nice, very accommodating, and, you know, sounds like same thing with you. And, you know, so the possibility of maybe a one-shot weirdo reunion book or magazine could be possible it it just didn't seem like it you know years ago you know it seems like oh that's over and done with in the past yeah. well i would yeah uh, you know i mean to a person they all say no they yeah. wouldn't they wouldn't be a part of a, a new one no i don't know uh, i would think it would be an extreme stretch for oh, okay not, i really would think that not but uh, you know i mean robert was very uh, i mean robert owns the trademark and the copyright for weirdo i mean that's his property he was very kind of like obviously of allowing me to to use it so prominently you know um uh so but look please don't i don't want anybody to get the idea that this a weird of 2020 yeah. but it's just like a, a notion it's a okay notion okay okay it. yeah i'm not holding you to it so <laughs> you will not see it on your newsstands anytime soon <laughs> well but the, the other is well, probably a likelihood another volume of uh, a compilation or something of past stuff or even more history or something is probably more likely, right? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. And I'm, uh, 
You know, and I'm able already to parlay. I mean, I noticed, I looked at the calendar, and I noticed that uh, next year is the, would be the 50th anniversary of Last Gasp. And mm-hmm. uh, pretty much Ron Turner is the last man standing. He's the last um, gasp. In, yeah. in, in, that, in the underground of the original underground publishers. And, yeah. You know, I, I had to talk him into it. I had to talk him and Colin into it. Uh, I don't know if it was hard at all, but uh, mm-hmm. they agreed that uh, we're going to be doing a 50th anniversary of Last Gasp book, and I'll be coming mm-hmm. up to san francisco and um in august after after uh san diego comic-con um and uh gonna dive in the archives and we'll mm-hmm. do a book for next year and i really also like to do a book on um the whole the whole alternative comic scene of you know from punk from the, in the late seventies to grunge in the in the early nineties, yeah. I mean, I would really like to to really extrapolate this book even more, and right. uh, you know, to do more more of a history of this era and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're in town, um, this may work out to my favor or your favor, or whatever. Um, there is a Silicon Valley Comic Con that Steve Wozniak puts on in San Jose in August. Are you trying to time it for that, or is it just coincidence? Uh, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Which is only an hour away, so I'm just saying you might want to time it for that. It's like the third week in August, like the 23rd or something for three days, but you could promote the book there. <laughs> you know, and if you're affiliated, are you aware of the Cartoon Art Museum? With Andrew Farrago as the curator. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You might yeah. want to line something up with him, but you know, hey, he was another one of my podcast guests and a friend of mine too. So anyway, you know, when you're out here, oh. you know, hey, maybe. No thanks. Uh, and also, the plan is just to go out to uh, Davis. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, to go out to the Winters area. Yeah. Of, uh, because again, you know, we interviewed a lot of. Uh, neighbors and uh and friends of the crumbs and uh so i think it's worthy to go out there and you know um to, to be able to meet these people face to face and uh, hang out with my stepsister and, and uh, do a book signing up there as well so good. yeah we'll, we'll work out those plans as it comes but uh as far as the near future goes i'm gonna be doing as much promotion as i can for the book so we're gonna uh, in mid-May at uh, the East Coast Comic Con in Secaucus, New Jersey, um, mm-hmm. we're going to be uh, it's going to be a weirdo reunion or a weirdo event where it's the official release of the book. Yeah, uh, the book of weirdo. Uh, Peter Bag will be there, and Carol Tyler and Drew Friedman and um, Kaz and uh, any number of uh, Mark Newgarden and Paul Kasarik and any number of our uh, weirdo contributors mm-hmm. are going to be there and then um, we just on June 6th on Thursday uh, which just turns out to be the 75th anniversary of D-Day mm. uh, yeah. we're going to uh, be having a signing at the uh, uh, having a presentation a panel talk and all that and a signing at the uh, Society of Illustrators in Manhattan very good. And then San Diego. Uh, I don't have the official word yet about a, a weirdo panel but uh I'm quite sure that, that that can be arranged, and um, so you know, and we'll be doing signings in San Diego. So, mm-hmm. and there you go. And then, of course, you know, like like we mentioned, up in up in the San Francisco area in August, and you know, mm-hmm. I'll squeeze this out as long as I can. Yep. Yeah. 
So I have a few other questions. So we can come back to Weirdo at the end to plug it, but I just wanted to ask a couple of questions about some of your other books. Uh, some of them are just for more personal reasons, and I'm just kind of curious. So I interviewed Bill Shelley recently, and he, his new book is about Jim Warren. And I know quite a few years ago you did The Warren Companion, which is now kind of a high-priced collectible. Is there any chance of that book being reissued at any time? Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Would that be a revised version or uh, something like that, or just the same one again with just a new printing? Or uh, Yes, revised. Ah, okay, very good. Yeah, because, you know, I happened to luck out and get one at cover price, and then it was gone. That's it. You know? And I see sometimes, well, it's usually the hardback version is like $300. I'm like, wow. <laughs> um but, uh, you know, I, I did interview Bill and asked him, you know, it's like, how does yours differ from his, from yours? And, you know, he says, well, I, you know, focus more on the man and not, you know, all the contributors and things like that. I have still not gotten his book yet, so I need to do that. But um, um, then other books that I know, I, I don't know if you worked on them or what capacity you worked on. So I was just kind of curious. There's like a Joe Kubert book and a John Byrne book and a Swamp Man book. Swamp Men book, it says. Were you contributor or writer the same way as all these other books? Or um, are there any books you've done that you just did, like, graphic arts or something, or just for a minor contributor? Uh, sure. Uh, I was a minor contributor to True Brit. Uh, I contributed, I think, to... I interviewed Brian, Brian Hitch and uh, Hunt Emerson. Um, yeah, you know, and I did... Uh, the dis- I did design work for a lot of books Um, I'm working on a Mac Rayboy book right now doing the design for that Um, but the other books that you mentioned uh, I I was pretty much they were they were mine okay because some of these I don't have you know and I'm like I need to get these like one I would like to get and uh, was is the Reed Crandall book you know and that one's actually gone up in price too and it's like what is it with these people to do these low print runs on these books um is there a chance for that one to go back into print too or no uh well Chris I'm not the publisher um yeah. I, I, I I I tend to doubt it yeah. um it's just that you know I did low orders you know I did you know I don't know you yeah. know, maybe uh, the word needs to get out more. I don't know if, uh, you know, people know, but do it now, if, you know, for the Mac Rayboy book. Uh, right. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that it's it's unlikely. It's unlikely that mm-hmm. to, to do a softcover version of that book. But Got it. Okay. I just designed that. I didn't. Oh, okay, that one you did just design. Okay, so I don't have that one. That's why I had to ask about some of these. And, uh, then another one, I think you said the Rayboy book, and then uh, is World of Tomorrows. It's like the history of the company. Uh, how, what's your involvement on that one? Well, it was my idea, uh, and it's, again, I had, to, I had to talk John into it. I don't think it was hard to talk, to, talk him into it. Uh, it's uh, yeah, you know, it's it's an oral history. It's uh, it's an oral history of the company. Um, we're involving everybody who had uh, pretty much any major uh, uh, thing to do with the company. Um, it's it's a nice. It's 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 a nice um it's kind of you know obviously it's a little bit of a vanity thing but it's my way of of uh, giving back to uh, I mean me and John have been obviously we broke up for a period of time and that was a you know there was a strain there that that had taken place but mm-hmm. our friendship uh, prevailed and um, I never besides my brother whom I've done a film documentary on Will Eisner with and we're working on a four act 
play about the it's called the golden age it's about the early years of cars um john morrow has been uh the finest collaborator i've ever had and uh mm-hmm. it was and that's one of the reasons that uh, comic book artists the top shelf didn't didn't last as long as i mean didn't last as long as it probably should have uh and mm-hmm. that was because i didn't have anyone to collaborate with it was just me mm-hmm. and that might that might sound a little childish i guess or infantile <laughs> i don't know but you know it's it's a lonely life sometimes and uh it's great to have a collaborator and yeah. uh, i want this to be as much a testament to uh, my friendship yeah. And, uh, I well, I, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, anything I've I've done for Tomorrow's, it's mainly minor contributions or doing articles for Alter Ego or Back Issue or um, what's the other one? I com- uh, comic book artist. There we go. <laughs> you know, it's like I've worked with John uh, indirectly or directly, and with Michael Yuri and yourself, and it's like it is more. Uh, pleasant i guess for lack of a better term to have somebody to bounce ideas off of and work with than just to say am i doing this right is this okay you know that type of thing you know yeah and uh, we're uh, you and i are working together again right now and i'm about to lay it out uh, a warren Kremer um piece for my right. magazine comic book creator so mm-hmm. it's great and how many issues of comic book creator are there is like 17 or is it more at this point i don't even i lost track i'm working on uh, 21 21 okay all right but you're you're ahead of what i've seen out I, maybe i've seen 19 or something by now but um and how's that going for you is that a different experience than the comic book artist or similar with oh, a different yeah, title yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a different it's a different paradigm uh it's really not the same i have to say i was i i was enormously spoiled i think with comic book artists and it was very well received uh you know in the beginning i mean i think we went to well we definitely went through two printings of cba number one mm-hmm. and it was uh pretty much very well acclaimed i mean i was i was really lucky the response but that i think had to do with that there was there was very little else out there yeah. Um, you know, there was Comic Book Marketplace, a wonderful magazine, but of course that was, you know, had to do with the value of things to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really lucked out with that, and uh, I just didn't approach this kind of what I call a carpet bombing approach of, of like, I look, look at a subject, and, you know, for, for, for instance, you and I worked in the Harvey Comics issue, you know, right. and that was, we try, you know, and that's a huge, look at that. I can't believe your book. How many pages is it? It's seven hundred something. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, just seven hundred. It's like so huge, fantastic, you know, and just my just the stuff I love. I'm very happy to receive it. Well, I'll I'll tell you a little about that because I don't know if you know. It's like originally I was just going to take the comic book artist issue and expand upon it. And then yeah. as I started working on it, I said, I can't do this. This is not working. And it's like I almost gave up on the project. I said, it's too late. It's 10 years too late. Everybody's passed away. I can't do this and everything. And then it just dawned on me, I, I can't just expand it. I really have to start from scratch and start over, which is what I did. And then it worked. You know, It's like, yeah, I take a few things from the comic book artist issue, but I, I couldn't use that as a basis anymore. I had to you know, start from a different angle and cover the entire history, you know, in detail as best as I could. So obviously I did go for detail <laughs> and that's what you got there. You know, um, uh, I hate to say it was originally supposed to be through tomorrow's and then, you know, uh, John got a little bit cold feet about it. And so I ended up bringing it over to bear manor again, you know, which, you know, they saved the day and it came out. So, you know, no hard feelings to John. I wish it did come out through tomorrow's, but, it is what it is. So, 
Yeah. Oh, great job. Great job. Really well, enjoyable. You. I mean, I, would, I wish I wouldn't. I mean, hopefully I can uh, do a number of train rides and so I get a chance to chance to read it. <laughs> I mean, I love that stuff. You know, I yeah. mean, there's just, you know me. I mean, I'm a freak for Warren Kramer. I mean, I really am. And it's just like, and it's because of you and it's because of working on the on the Harvey Connick's issue that I started. I used to think it was the, the artist that I, I most enjoyed it was the work of Ernie Cologne, and you know, uh, yeah. and uh, and no, and I still love Ernie's work. Yeah, love it. Mm-hmm. But I, the really the Stumbo stuff, you know, and yeah. just yeah. whatever. I'm just a complete nut for that stuff, you yeah. know. And, uh, and well, I'm really glad that we can do a feature in the magazine. I hope the book comes out. I mean, it's like it's not that it's delayed. Well, it is delayed, but it's just because the Kramer family wants it perfect. And so they're going through it with a fine tooth comb and, you know, uh, just to, to get everything that they, you know, and it is their father. So I do have to respect that. So, um, you know, it's taken longer than I expected, but you know, that's what happens. Uh, but they're very uh, cooperative. They gave me a lot of images, a lot of pulp illustrations, things that nobody's ever seen before so um and then of course i got the requisite stuff you know that everybody has seen before the heritage auctions has the casper and stumbo and richie rich and everything else but um yeah i delve into the star comics and then the stuff he did at ace and other publishers prior to harvey and things like that so wow yeah really great yeah and he was very grateful for uh i think it was bill janoka who had interviewed him for, yeah there's two uh, two uh, major comic. interviews and i got his and i got the other one and unfortunately the guy who did the other one his name escapes me I for, please forgive me uh but yeah there's there really was only two major interviews with uh warren kramer in his lifetime and uh i take yeah close. and i was i was very grateful to be able to uh to, to print uh you know bill janokas and uh yeah. warren was uh, so grateful for it that he actually had a picture taken of him and his wife holding the issue. Yeah, that, and that, sent it in to me, and that floored me. Right. You know, because that's <laughs> great. And I go, oh, now I know for sure that Warren saw something that I wrote because I used to send. I mean, here's the sad part: I, this is a preview. It's like um, I used to send him issues of Harveyville Fun Times, and I. Uh, I even wrote him a letter saying, hey, can I interview you? And he, I, he never responded. I said, well, he's probably sick, old man. I, I shouldn't I shouldn't bother him. And I was a little more shy back then. And it turns out, oh, yeah, he would have talked to you. You probably should have called. And it's like it never occurred to me to call. You know, was back in the phone days, it was long distance back then. You know, back in the, you still wrote letters, you know. And, you know, so I probably could have talked to him at some point, but never did, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish I had spoken with him too. Sure. Yeah, I know. I know exactly how you felt. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, look. I mean, you know, Kirby. I, I, I would write letters to Kirby and mm-hmm. um, not have the nerve to mail them. You know, and I really regret it. You know, because when he passed away, it was immediately a kind of regret. It's like you know, not. But he meant you know meant so much, mate. You know, and, yeah. Um, yeah, we're just we're only human, right? But I have no predilection now. Because yeah. it's all bio time. I just see is yeah. there's so much I need to I want to get done. Um you know, and I just turned sixty, so uh, it's getting up there. Yeah. So uh, you know, just keep plugging away, I guess. <laughs> A few years younger, I'm 52, but yeah, it's like, it's amazing that, wow, time slips away so fast, and I did meet Kirby once, but at the time, he seemed young and healthy still, and it's like, oh, he's going to be around for a while. 
I didn't think Stan Lee like necessarily, but you know, I thought he'd be around a few more years, and then just he was gone. That was it. And so I was there the that one year the the photos gone around of him dancing with his wife, you know, at the convention. Oh, 75th, right. Yeah, and uh, you know, then he was gone after that. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> So I never really talked to him much either, you know, but I, at least I met him, so I can say that, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was lucky enough to meet him when I was, when I was quite young, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, was very, that was very, very special. I was able to, uh, you know, I did the uh, Kirby 100 Centennial book uh, yeah. a couple of years ago, which is, uh, up to now, was my, my biggest success, um, and that was uh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Now, I actually haven't seen that. Those are a couple they wrote down. Like Kirby 100, and there's another Kirby Lee Nuff said. I mean, how do those books differ? What are you talking about in each one? Well, that's Stuff said. Uh, no, that's uh, that's John Morrow's book. Oh, uh, it is? Oh, okay. He, he did dedicate it to me, which is uh, very nice of him. I was uh, quite a surprise to see that. But uh, no, I was going to compare that book, but it was his part like, grew, grew so big that. Uh-huh. You know, uh, my, my thing will wait till the uh, till the future, but uh, no, that that's all him. Oh, okay. The Kirby, Sorry about uh, that. The Kirby 100 was uh, both me and John. You know, mm-hmm. um, I had to. That was another one. You know, there's there's going to be Kirby's. I mean, I had long thought about it. What, what was the centennial going to be? What, what would we do in 20? Right. I wanted to do. I literally had a had a dream about doing a Kirby convention, a convention just called King Kong mm-hmm. that was just going to be devoted to Jack Kirby. Um, so from there, we were going to do this big symposium kind of thing, and uh, you know, whatever, you know. And then you know, we organized it, got a lot of people involved, and then people got really busy. And so then we just said, "Well, that's it. Comics do what I do best. Yeah. <laughs> what I what I know best, anyways. <laughs> we'll do a book." All right. Well, um, I, I guess I'll, I'll kind of wrap it up because I know we had to reschedule time here, and you might be a little bit of time crunch, so I don't want to go too long. Um, but uh, I guess if people want to get in touch with you, how would they do that, and how would they get your books, and how do we you get the the book of weirdo? Uh, the best way is to go to lastgasp.com. That's L-A-S-T-G-A-S-P dot com, and you'll see it there. Uh, you could also, that's a course available through Amazon and through, uh, through Diamond as well. Um, to get in touch with me, I guess, well, uh, you can look up my name on Facebook, uh, J-O-N-B, uh, as in boy, cook with an E, at, um, and so you can search for me there. I'm doing a podcast now called uh, Subterranean Dispatch, Okay. so uh, I'm about, hopefully about to get on Amazon, so, I mean, uh, iTunes, so... You know, we'll see. I want to, you know, just whatever. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's the way to do it. All right, and anything, any final thoughts or anything else for today? No, I hope uh, people can come by and uh, um, see me, uh, you know, when I'm on either coast, and that would be great. Uh, very excited about this, very happy that you uh, got in contact with me for this, and uh, I do appreciate, I did, I didn't know that you had done the, um, the the weirdo thing. I think it was you who had mentioned it, and then I'm like, oh, huh. And then uh, I, I looked it up, but it was quite late in the game. And um, and uh, honestly, uh, many people had said the same thing. Which was you what? Know? Which was what? Well, the the testimonials or the or the answers that they gave you on email, they had already given me. So, oh, I see. So yeah, like, yeah. I'm talking about referencing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there is one reference, so I mean, I, I did. I did you did a very nice job there. Yeah. 
Well, I you know I didn't know what you had written at that point. It's just people wouldn't you know to be honest. Uh, yeah. You know they just said what happened to his book? I thought John Cook was doing this book, and I go he's doing something separate. I had to say something. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> you know, and you were, and I didn't want to say that you weren't doing it anymore. Then they'd be like, what? You know, <laughs> and you know it was worth the wait. I'll say that. I'll leave it at that. You know, it's like, but I I was giving kind words the entire time. It's like he's just working on it and wanting to make it the best book he can make it. You know, and uh, it did. It came out very well. So I'm very impressed. So thank you very much. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, Mark. All right. All right. And uh, thank you for being on this podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening. And thank you again, John B. Cook, for being my special guest. This has been the final episode of Season 1 of Fun Ideas Podcast. Episode number 37 and Season 2 will be coming soon sometime this fall. I want to thank you all the loyal listeners who have tuned into this season. And be sure to catch all the episodes you miss and come back when the season resumes. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2019 Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you very much and have a good night.